Welcome to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We hope the following program will challenge you and encourage you in your faith journey. You'll stop parenting when it becomes difficult if you have selfish motivation. If you're not getting the rewards that you thought you would get out of parenting, if you're embarrassed by your kid or frustrated with your kid or just too tired to care, you stop parenting, which is why I think spiritual motivation is crucial. And so I'm doing it out of reverence for him, which gives me a motivation that goes beyond whether I'm feeling fulfilled, whether I'm feeling proud, whether I'm feeling happy at the moment, I'm doing it as an act of spiritual worship. Well, I wonder if you've ever thought of raising your kids as an act of spiritual worship. And uh, that's a good comment. It comes from Gary Thomas. He wants to help you gain a new perspective, a fresh look at your role as a mom or a dad, and for you to embrace God's purpose for your parenting. Welcome to Focus on the Family. Gary Thomas is our guest. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. Hey John, if we're honest, I think every parent would admit that raising kids is a lot harder uh, than we thought it would be. Yeah. Uh, maybe it has something to do with our expectations. They're so high. And uh, we imagine ourselves sitting calmly in the living room with our angelic children sitting on our feet, probably nice and quiet, not making any yeah, they're, they're waves. Playing, they're coloring or something. <laughs> right. being something very perfect. Yes. And uh, you know what? That's just not the way reality is. Uh, it is different. It's a whirlwind of activity and not a lot of uh, peace or calm. Uh, many parents today feel like they're treading on water. I know I do at times. How about oh, you? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And uh, we want to talk that through and equip you today and next time uh, to think things through a little differently. And we have a great guest to do that. Yeah, Gary's going to help us get past the blur of busyness and, um, and to really sit down and think it through and savor the moments that God gives us as parents. And, uh, and I know you're going to benefit from our conversation. So uh, Gary Thomas has been a guest uh, on Focus on the Family a number of times, and uh, he's written so many different books. This one uh, that will form the foundation for our conversation today is called Sacred Parenting. Uh, how Raising Children Shapes Our Souls. And John, we should mention uh, we're hunting at a ranch in Texas, and we're in a big lodge enjoying the view and uh, enjoying the beautiful animals, God's great creation, right? It is a wonderful place. It's been, <laughs> it's been really relaxing to be out here and to have fellowship. We got some warm hospitality that's making it all really nice. And, uh, you know, the great benefit is uh, Gary Thomas lives uh, just a couple hours away. So, Gary, it is great to have you here. We so much appreciate you and all you've done for the kingdom, just building marriages up, building parents up. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Well, it was nice of y'all to come out to Texas and make it easy for me. I <laughs> got a little one of the y'all there. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> hey, uh, you've got a lot of advice and encouragement for moms and dads, especially about the spiritual aspect of parenting. And uh, we don't always connect those two things. Uh, why, as parents, do we need to think about the spiritual dimension of our parenting? When I first wrote Sacred Parenting, I was in the midst of parenting. Our kids were still young. They were all at home. Speaking now as an empty nester, that spiritual element is even more precious to me. It's mm -hmm. what lasts. And I would say to every parent out there, as important as it is to help your kids succeed and get in the right schools or get in the right jobs, what gives Lisa and me the most joy these days is seeing our kids' faith, seeing them grow in their faith. It's, mm. When John says, I have no greater joy than to see my kids, my children walking in the truth, that's just true for earthly parents. In yeah. fact, 
I, I had one season where my son sent me two text messages just a couple days apart. The first one was I found out he had gotten into Harvard at the master's program. Wow. But a couple days later, yeah, it was great news. I mean, I, I went to Western Washington University. That's the rival of Harvard, right? It is, it is a top 500 <laughs> university. I looked it up. So. Out of 500 and... <laughs> so Graham and I both have that in common. We both attend a top 500 university. But, but two days later, I got the text where he had um, found this series of devotionals online to prepare you for Good Friday. And he said, Dad, these have been so meaningful to me. I thought you would enjoy them. And as God is my witness, I think I was just as excited about that second text as I was the first. Mm-hmm. Because nothing fills your heart than to see your kids walking with the Lord. Because, you know, that's what's eternal. As an empty nester, time becomes so precious. You, you, you have overload of kid time. <laughs> When they're young, and then you're just counting the minutes that you can have with them when they get older. But the hope of heaven is that we can have an eternity, Mm. continuing that relationship and deepening that. It's just the way that I think God redeems the greatest frustrations of this life, a lack of time, a lack of love. And it just gives us a foretaste of what's to come, but that foretaste is dependent on a spiritually united family under Jesus Christ. That's so true. Listen, you have a quote in your book I want to get your response to. Uh, you said it's, it's humorous. You said, God can baptize dirty diapers, toddler tantrums, and teenage silence in order to transform us parents into people who more closely resemble Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not sure how a dirty diaper translates <laughs> into my sanctification, but can you elaborate for me? Well, many traditions of Christianity stress being overdoing and I think that's what the season of parenting pushes us into we can't do as much when you're a parent and be a responsible parent but it really does help transform who you are whether you're responding with patience whether you're responding with grace I think as a parent you will face levels of anger you have never experienced before Mm -hmm. as a parent I face levels of fear I never experienced before. I also face levels of happiness and joy and wonder. So there's a positive as well. But it just pulls you out of the lukewarm. Mm -hmm. And it seems to push you into the extremes. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it's God's brilliant plan that if we can learn to deal with fear in an appropriate way, if we can learn to deal with anger, if we can learn to deal with our frustration, if we can learn to listen and to understand, the more we engage in the act of parenting, the more we're equipped to do works of service for the church at large, whether you're working in academia or business or sports or the arts community or serving within the local church, I don't think anything really prepares us to become the kind of people that we need to be more than children. So let's uh, put it to the test. I mean, with you and your wife, Lisa, Mm. what surprised you in your parenting? What was uh, something that caught your attention that changed your walk that changed your view of God, your uh, thought? I was surprised at the level of fear I faced. We love our kids so much. And I remember as a young man reading the story of Joshua and Caleb and saying, we, we can take these. You, you, you remember they were the, the two of the 12 spies that went into the promised land and the other 10 spies were saying, you know, we can't take these people on. They're too big. They're too powerful. They'll crush us. They'll have their way with our wives and children. And I always imagined I would be the Joshua or Caleb 
Hey, guys, we can do it. We've got God on our side. He's already delivered us out of Egypt. What could there be? That's what you envisioned yourself. That's what I thought as a yeah. single man. <laughs> when I read that passage again with two daughters and a wife, I thought, if failure means my wife is at their mercy, mm. and if failure means my daughters are their property, how bold would I be now? So when I was reading that as a single man, I'm thinking, let's just go for it. Let's be bold. God's already delivered us from Egypt. How difficult can this be? But then when you're a married man and you have a wife and you have two daughters and you're realizing the, the consequences of failure is that your wife could be taken over by them and your daughters could become the property of these vicious people, I could understand why they weren't quite so bold. The stakes just are much higher. When you look throughout Scripture, before virtually every person is called in the service of the gospel, talk about Gideon, you can talk about Elijah, you could talk about in the New Testament, they're always told not to fear. It's like God says to them, I have this plan, I'm going to do something amazing. But the first thing he says is, don't fear. And we often think of scandal taking a lot of people out of ministry and occupying us and keeping us away from doing what God wants us to do. But I think in many ways, fear aborts a lot of ministry before it even starts. Mm -hmm. And so if I can learn to handle that fear, then when God places a vision on my heart, I can say, you know what? I had to face this down with my kids. I let my kids... (laughs) I let one kid go to Johannesburg, Africa for a missions trip. Another one went to Kenya when I thought she might have a hard time finding a way around the block, and I'm letting her go to (laughs) Kenya without knowing anybody. But when you can face down those fears, the other fears that hold back so much ministry don't seem quite so scary. You know, Gary, in the book you talk about how your your children can teach you something as a parent. That seems counterintuitive. It seems different, right? that uh, normally we're teaching them. And we get in that mindset as a parent that it's only a a one-way street here. Let me teach you how to do things. But you raise this question in the book about being open to what kids are teaching you as a parent. What kind of situations would be uh, conducive to that? Where does a parent need to say, okay, what is my child teaching me? What's God teaching me through my child? One of the things I found out was there's this evil little part in me that says, don't inconvenience me. (laughs) It's just, it's a selfish thing. I hate it. (laughs) All right. Don't have kids. But often I found that the problem was my annoyance, not that my kids were annoying me. And I think when I was a younger father, I just, sometimes you just want peace and quiet. And I thought the problem was somebody who was stopping the peace and quiet God challenged me that sometimes the problem is (laughs) that I'm annoyed when it's not always peaceful and quiet. And and that's real life. Running a business, coaching a team, in a ministry, out in the public square, interruptions are never convenient. People don't die on a schedule. They don't get sick on a schedule. You don't have accidents on a schedule. And so for me, it was learning to let go that I can't control my situations. I can control my response to the situations. But kids can bring a special kind of chaos. To yes, life. they can. <laughs> and, and so it's learning to sort of just go along with that rather than letting that. So how do you do that practically, though? I mean, you're talking to guys right now and moms, too, who have that same problem. How do you practically step back from that and say, okay, I'm going to take a deep breath. I'm not going to let this situation 
dictate my joy, dictate my response? How did you uh, find a handle to deal with it? One of the things I'm seeing now as an empty nester is that when you see other parents with young kids right now and you see the response and I know the tiredness and I know this isn't the first time they've dealt with this issue with this child it's probably the hundredth time and so you see the lack of patience or whatnot but just when you could look at it with objective eyes you could see a little bit of the the flinch the kid takes that they realize they're just an annoyance to their parent or they're frustrating to their and they parent. feel it oh they do they do and they internalize it and so it's just, I, I think, accepting that your desire is, I want my kids to feel loved. I think looking back now, what I would say is the environment I would want to create is that you mean the world to me. You're more important to me than my comfort. You're more important to me than my reputation. You're more important to me than my hobby. And I don't want you to think that just not being this perfect being in the sense of being quiet when I want you to be quiet and going to sleep when I want you to go to sleep and not getting hurt when I don't want you to get hurt, that that's not what it's all about. It's not about you pleasing me. It's about who you are. And developing their character into that confident person. Because that's, that's how God treats us. Yeah, it it's is, not, exactly. He loved us when we were yet sinners. And so it's not that uh, he loves us more when we're making life easy for him. It's that he loves us because he loves us. Well, that is such a good parallel. Uh, Gary, you also talk about parental guilt, and I think this is a place we need to spend a couple of minutes here because I think particularly moms have so much guilt about this not going right, that not going right. Um, Speak to guilt and the power, the negative power of guilt, and how does a person turn that into something more positive? Mm -hmm. A lot of the guilt comes from this desire, and I had it, I think, as much as anyone. I wanted to be the best dad in the whole world. My goal was that if my kids went to counseling as adults, they would only rave about how thoughtful and understanding and caring their father was, not trying to recover from it. Uh, And then you get into parenting, and you realize, I don't have the patience I need. I don't have the wisdom I need. I think of the right thing to say two days later, but our kids have moved on to something else at that time. But where I was freed from this was, was a time with the Lord when I felt like I was trying to almost be a rival of God, trying to be almost like a God-like figure. Not that I would consciously say I could ever be God or be like God, but I wanted to have his wisdom. I wanted to have his patience. I wanted to have his understanding. And I realized I'm not the Messiah, that job has been taken and How long it's been did that fulfilled very well. <laughs> well, it was just my repeated failures of that. Instead, I'm the messenger. One of the real purposes of sacred parenting is that it's not like we've arrived spiritually, emotionally, and then are pulling your kids up to our level. It's like we're all rubbing shoulders, sinning against each other, asking for forgiveness, receiving God's grace, so that our kids see modeled not just good behavior, which I hope they see, but also how do they deal with their sin? How do they confess it? How do they recognize it instead of run from it? And how do they ask for forgiveness? So for me, the joy of parenting was preserved by reminding myself I'm a messenger. I'm not the Messiah. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Just as we pick good food for our children, we want to make sure that we're picking good 
kind of spiritual nutrition for our children as well. And so I think providing them clubhouses has provided some of that spiritual nutrition for them. You can help your kids grow in their faith with Focus on the Family Clubhouse and Focus on the Family Clubhouse Junior Magazines. Great resources for your family at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash Club Radio. In light of the Supreme Court's recent decision on abortion, are you ready for what comes next? And how should we respond as emotions run high? As Christians, we need to be ready. and Focus on the Family can help you prepare. Join us every Monday to hear inspiring stories from people who faced their own pro-life moments and experienced God's love. To learn more, go to FocusOnTheFamily.com slash SeizureMoment. That's FocusOnTheFamily.com slash SeizureMoment. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Gary, I want to cover listening and sacrifice before we get out of here for today. We're going to come back next time with more. But this listening concept, this may be the toughest area for me. I don't know about you, John. Maybe most men. Moms just tend to be good listeners. I don't know. God just gave them that blessing. But for dads, it can be so frustrating. Yeah, and then what happened? And then what happened? Oh, really? And then what happened? And you're sitting there going, it's like nails on a chalkboard. How do we slow down, settle down, forget all the to-do items, and actually zero in on our kids to hear their heart? I had to slow down, and I wish I could have told myself as a younger husband, Gary, your kids will receive curiosity as an act of love. When they know I'm listening just to be polite and to get over with it so I can get back to my book or back to my task or back to fixing whatever I'm fixing— They don't feel loved, but curiosity even goes a step further. Not only am I listening, I'm saying, tell me more. It's how we show interest in our kids. We show interest in their day. If something matters to them, it should matter to me. It's not so much what they're saying as who is saying it. And so it's learning to really, as Jesus made his abode with us he incarnated himself to relate to us it's the process where we learn to relate to our children I'll never forget I was the first amongst my friends really start having kids and I took my oldest daughter um, as she got a little bit older to ice skating and one of my friends said Gary I can't believe you're going to an ice skating show when did you get into ice skating I said (laughs) I'm not but I'm really into my daughter and she's really into ice skating so I'm learning to get into ice skating now since Allison left the house I don't know that I've ever watched ice skating since (laughs) oh don't Allison we're sorry but but (laughs) pulling this out of your dad right now but but it is a process of listening it's not something that's natural but that is how people feel loved it's how our spouses feel loved it's how friends feel loved not just listening but being curious if our kids are going to feel valued they've got to feel heard you think about Jesus in these conversations when he walked the earth you know if my temperament would there be, yeah, yeah, I know that part. Keep going faster. I mean, the Lord just exuded patience, right? Because well, he knows everything. Jesus. He could say, yeah. I was there. Yeah. Fast forward, fast forward. <laughs> Good thing he had other attributes than most men. But uh, hey, Gary, I do want to talk about sacrifice right at the end here because it's so important to the Christian faith. What does it mean in a parental role to show that sacrificial love, to to model that for your kids and then hopefully to see it in your children. 
This is, I think, one of the biggest aspects of parenting for me, and it happened early on. After we had our first daughter, she was just this tiny baby, and at the time, I thought Dairy Queen blizzards had to have been invented by a Christian. I thought it would take <laughs> the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to have something that delicious to, uh, to give to people. And so we'd stopped off at a Dairy Queen, and I'd got a... a Eminem Blizzard, you've got the fries and you've got the burger. And This our, sounds really healthy. Well, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be having that now with my wife with me. But um, our oldest daughter liked to save up her digestive efforts every three or four days. Okay. So we didn't change a lot of diapers, but when you did change a diaper, it was a 20-minute experience. <laughs> and so i just gotten this cold blizzard, and you have these hot fries, and it, the, the fireworks started. Uh, you could hear them across the parking lot, and we knew it was going to be a mess. And so Lisa looks at me, Gary, come on, I'm going to need your help. And I'm holding this blizzard, and I'm holding these fries that have a shelf life of about five minutes. And I'm thinking, are you serious? And I mean, it's just a silly, stupid little thing. But I was such a young man. I was in my mid-20s, and I realized this is really the first time where I'm going to have to truly say, Someone matters more than me. I'm going to have a runny blizzard, and I'm going to have wilted fries. And it took parenting for me to make that connection that sacrifice is really the heart of what we're called to be as Christians. And parenting is a brilliant process to make you willing to sacrifice for someone other than yourself so that you can grow and then sacrifice for others that you don't have that connection with. Well, Gary, that, in the last few minutes, that's coming through loud and clear. That's the point of parenting. I mean, when God designs this, it's obvious that it has a purpose. You know, it's not just willy-nilly. The Lord is saying, marry, and I'm going to teach you things in your marriage, and it's going to be selflessness and humility, and then we're going to put kids into the mix, and if there's any selfishness left, I'm going to wring it out of you. (laughs) And, I mean, that basically is it. But you had to make a choice uh, when you had your blizzard day. I mean right. that in all kinds of ways. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so you had to make a choice to say, okay, I'm going to lay my desires down. And that could be more serious. It might be that career choice. It, it could be anything. Yeah. But you lay your life down for your spouse, for your kids. And uh, I think that's what I walk away with today. But before we go, I want to ask you, what if I've blown it? What if I haven't modeled that? What if I'm the dad or the mom who hasn't done that? It's been about rules. It's not been about laying your life down. In fact, I'm so irritated at you because you're not being the child I thought I would have. You'd have better grades. I mean, whatever it might be. How do I say, what am I doing and back up? I take great encouragement from Paul's work with Timothy. Timothy, in one way, was like his son, And he tells him in the third chapter of 1 Timothy to watch his life and doctrine closely. And that's what we're supposed to do as parents. He says, persevere in them. But here's where I found the encouragement. So that everyone may see your progress. I can't give my kids a perfect dad. But I can give my kids a progressing dad. I can't give a my getting better dad. Yeah, yeah I, I, like I can't that. give my kids a dad that's got it all together, but I can have a give my kids a dad who's working on getting it all together. And so I think if we just have that, embrace that with humility, we're not there yet. Hmm. And going back to what you said before, I think that's really where we get the most out of this. What I would say to myself again as a young parent is one, we need the humility. None of us have arrived. God is growing us through the process of parenting. So just say, Lord, today there are lessons I need to learn of patience, of anger, of putting people over things. 
of, of listening to my kids and being present. And, and second, I, I think it's just a key of listening to God, what he's trying to teach us through this. Mm. Why am I annoyed? Why am I so angry? Why am I so fearful? So that when we're listening to God, he can develop those lessons. And then I think what I would really say to parents is just be present in the parenting process. It's so easy for days to become filled up with tasks that we miss the spiritual wonder of what's taking place. That God lets us be parents. That God lets us be together. Uh, and, and just saying, I, I, I want to hmm. be present for this moment and not let this season slip by. I know empty nesters tend to get too sentimental, but it really is a season. It's a cliche. The, the days are long, but the years are short. But it's a true cliche. Yeah. It really does feel that way. Well, as a parent with uh, children in the home, I'm grateful for the empty nesters who can light the path ahead. And this is a great book, Sacred Parenting. Thanks for being with us, Gary. Let's come back next time. Let's pick up the conversation and continue. Can we do it? Absolutely. What a great conversation with Gary Thomas on this episode of Focus on the Family, and I hope you'll make plans to join us for the second part of the conversation. Gary has a gift for honing in what's most important, John, uh, which are those relationships with our children that we will value for the rest of our lives, even through the frustrations. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate his heart for the family. If you were encouraged by what Gary shared today, I hope you'll let us know. And please consider joining our support team as well so that we can continue providing broadcasts like this one to strengthen families and equip moms and dads to be the best parents they can be for their children. Uh, your financial gifts are so valuable to us. And if you can send a gift of any amount today, I'd like to send you a copy of Gary's book, Sacred Parenting, as our way of saying thanks for your support. Sacred Parenting is a great resource. I think every family should have one in their library. So contact us today to get your copy. And our number here is 800-232-6459, the letter A in the word family, or donate and get these resources at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. And Jim, we should mention our free parenting assessment that is at the website. It offers a really comprehensive uh, overview of the most effective ways to raise our children. Yes, we do, John. Our parenting team has identified seven key traits parents need to raise a thriving family. Things like love, respect, intentionality, and so many more. The assessment only takes a few minutes to fill out, and then you'll learn where you're doing well, and also where you need a little strengthening. Uh, we'll also mention resources that will provide that strengthening. Check out our free parenting assessment today. And once again, that website is focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for listening today to Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ. listening to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We'll take a quick break and then return with the second half of this program for your family. Stay tuned. Are you remarried? Over 40% of couples are. If you have a blended family, you know how complex it can be, especially when it comes to estate planning. Ensuring that you're honoring your new spouse and all kids is essential. 
If you need help preparing a will for your blended family but don't know where to start, Focus on the Family can help. Download our resource, 16 Questions to Ask If You Have a Blended Family. It's our gift to you at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash BlendedFamilyEbook. One of the real purposes of sacred parenting is that it's not like we've arrived spiritually, emotionally, and then are pulling your kids up to our level. It's like we're all rubbing shoulders, sinning against each other, asking for forgiveness, receiving God's grace, so that our kids see modeled not just good behavior, which I hope they see, and not just a worshipful attitude, which I hope they see, but also how do they deal with their sin? How do they confess it? How do they recognize it instead of run from it? And how do they ask for forgiveness? So for me, the joy of parenting was preserved by reminding myself I'm a messenger. I'm not the Messiah. That's Gary Thomas describing the very special opportunity that God gives us as parents. Uh, But we have to have the right perspective as we raise our kids. And Gary's back with us today to help us with that. Your host is Focus on the Family president and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. John, we had such a good discussion last time with Gary about sacred parenting. Uh, He wrote this book years ago, but now it's been updated with wonderful content and terrific themes. Uh, Last time we talked about listening, sacrifice, guilt, and all the stuff that motivates us as parents, both negatively and positively. Uh, Gary challenged us to think differently about how we raise our children hopefully toward a more godly orientation. It's all about launching them. How do we get these kids ready to live their lives in such a way that they honor the Lord, they do well to their fellow neighbor, and treat their families right? Mm -hmm. And I'm looking forward to continuing the conversation today. And I am too, Jim. It's going to be good. Um, We encourage you to get a copy of Gary's book. It's called Sacred Parenting, How Raising Children Shapes Our Souls. And uh, we also have an audio copy of our conversation from last time. Details are at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast, or give us a call, 800, the letter A, and the word family. And we made note of this last time, Jim. Uh, We moved from our normal studio setup to a beautiful hunting lodge in Texas. We were hosted by Bill and Carrie, and they're dear friends, and we're so grateful for their hospitality. It's going to sound a little bit different. Here's how Jim started part two of our conversation with Gary Thomas on today's episode of Focus on the Family. Gary, we want to get back to the book, Sacred Parenting, which, again, you uh, republished here. Last time we left off, and if you missed it, as John said, get a CD, get, call us, get the download for your app phone, whatever it might uh, require. But you mentioned the listening skills and uh, learning from your children. I just want to pull one element out of last uh, program. You have a story about your son Graham teaching you something, and I think it's a beautiful way to start the program today. What did you learn from your son Graham? How old was he? He was about four and a half, if I remember correctly, and it was a frustrating time in my life. All I wanted to be was a writer. I couldn't imagine anything else, and so I was in a job that wasn't bringing a lot of joy. I would get up early, but pretty much my day was defined by the mailbox. I would send out these letters to publishers, to magazines, to agents, and it was just frustrating because I wasn't getting anything back that I wanted to read. (laughs) And so the day started out with that with Graham. We were just signing him up for soccer, so I took him to the soccer field so that he could watch the kids. He was going to play it soon. And then we had a coupon for two-for-one Sundays at Baskin-Robbins, and money was tight, and so we used a coupon. So we went and stopped at Baskin-Robbins, which is right next to what they used to call a video rental store. <laughs> Remember the days of What's Blockbuster? That? Yeah. 
And so we went in and he had heard me talk about Speed Racer and we, we, we saw the Speed Racer video that he could, and he was just hugging that thing. He was so excited. Uh, and I stopped off at the post office, which was a mistake. And it was, the box was empty, which basically means nobody wants to say we want you to work with us at the time. And that's what was coloring my day. Another day, another dream hasn't come through. What's going on? When is this going to happen? And I had that day throughout with Grandma. I also took him to the grocery store. He got a coupon. It was his first box of um, cocoa puffs, which he <laughs> thought was so excited. And he Your was nutritional skills box. are on display, you know. And so we're driving, and I'm just discouraged. I mean, I'd give the day about a C plus at that time. It was just so frustrating. But we're putting Graham down for his nap, and he just looks up at me. He goes, this was the best day of my whole life. And I just look back through his eyes, you know, just watching a soccer game as a young boy, thinking he's going to get to play soccer, getting to have a Sunday, getting to watch a speed racer video, and then knowing the next morning he's going to wake up to a bowl of cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs or whatever. <laughs> and and I just, I, it just caused me to, to settle down and say, Gary, this is the miracle of parenting. This is an A-plus day for your son. It should be an A-plus day for you. And again, looking back as an empty nester, that even hits me more. Yeah, that's something. I love that. Troy and I had a similar experience. We went to get a fifth wheel, took the truck out, had to go cross-country to get it. On the way back, the truck breaks down. So we're stuck Memorial Day weekend for four days waiting for this truck. We're staying at a Hampton Inn and eating at Cracker Barrel next door with no vehicle. <laughs> and we swam. We played Scrabble. He was probably seven. And we get in the truck. I have an attitude like I'm out. 2500 bucks plus the hotel plus four days of memorial day weekend and we're driving down the road he goes dad this has been the best vacation ever and i'm like what what are you talking about (laughs) so it's all perspective isn't it he loved it 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 is and you know i we really miss that even more looking back i had some intimations when my youngest daughter was just 12 years old i'd forgotten something on a speaking trip and had to go to a mall to pick it up or something. And I saw a young family there. It was a mom and a dad. They had three or four kids with them. One of the kids was very small, this tight-curled toddler. She ran up in front of her dad and jumped in front of him and stopped and said, Daddy, you got to carry me. My legs are too tired. And you could tell he didn't want to, but he looked like a good dad. So he moved all of the bags to his right hand and scooped her up with his left and started walking along. And there's just something about that scene that hit me. Gary, when is the last time you carried one of your kids through the mall because their little legs were too tired? And it was the first time I realized that season was over. Mm. It's so subtle. You know, it's happening every day. All of a sudden, years have gone by, and it's not going to happen again. And I so wish somebody had said to me that last time, Gary, this is the last time you carry one of your kids through the mall. Take a mental snapshot. Be in the present. Think about this moment. Relish this moment. I I was missing it so much, I went home to my daughter, who then was 12 years old, and I said, Kelsey, can I carry you through the mall one last time (laughs) so I I could try to recreate that? (laughs) Exactly. You even have the attitude down. So it didn't happen, and we'll just have to wait for grandkids, I guess. That's good. Hey, today I want to move into another kind of difficult subject. That's anger. Uh, Parenting and anger, they just seem to go together. And maybe you're listening and you're saying, well, I've never had that problem. God bless you. That's a wonderful thing that you got the joy of the Lord. But many parents, we do struggle with that anger. First of all, 
How did you address that in the book? Uh, you said it's natural but dangerous. Uh, how do we avoid compounding that anger in that moment? And how do we just pull back and not express it inappropriately? Anger is certainly one of the key occupational hazards of parenting. A pastor of a church of about two to 300, which is a good-sized church, but it was enough to where he knew most of the people in his church, he decided to preach a sermon on anger. And at the end of their sermon, they would have people come forward who wanted prayer for that particular topic. Nineteen people came forward that morning, and he looked at them, and he started laughing. Every one was a mother of toddlers. <laughs> and so he realized, you know, part of it is the station of life. It's because we care so much and we think if you, you, you could have hurt yourself, we think of what, what could have happened. We think of what it means for their future. It's the sense of betrayal. I've, I've given everything to you. I try to love you and I've made myself so vulnerable to you. I, it just seems like anger becomes uh, such a big part of parenting but for me it also helped me understand God's anger in a way I never could before that there can't be love without anger what's that appropriate anger though distinguish for yeah. me between appropriate anger as a parent and inappropriate because I think some parents it's blurry yeah inappropriate anger for me was anger when I was inconvenienced anger when I was put out by what they did or embarrassed or frustrated. And appropriate anger is when I'm angry for what it might mean for them. So I'm trying to maintain my focus on, you can't do this, this is what's going to hurt you. So they're not seeing my displeasure or anger as a result of how could you do this to me, how could you embarrass me in this place or whatnot. They see that my dad really loves me and what I've done has caused an emotion I don't see in him very often. And I know it's because he's worried what this means for my present and my future. What would be some examples? I really, just to get the, the feel of this, I want to make sure people are hearing your heart. So when it comes to what behaviors in your children do you think a parent is rightful to say, whoa, come on? One of the classic missteps for us and parents with anger is when we're so terrified when our kid misses a curfew. <laughs> and comes home late, and was the first thing we say, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> you know, they say, wait a minute, you were worried about my safety, and now you're going to take me on. But, but that's where, at that point, our anger becomes, I can't believe you did this to me, I didn't get any sleep, I didn't do that. Instead of taking a step back and having those conversations, you know, you realize the longer you stay out, the more tired you get. The more tired you get, the worse the decisions tend to be. Nothing good happens for a teenager outside the house at 2 a.m. It, right. it just doesn't. So you're trying to express it. We want this for you. We don't want that for you. And when you're making these choices, you're setting yourself up. And even if you got away with it this time, when this becomes a pattern of life, inevitably when you buck wisdom, you pay the price. There's always going to be consequences. And so it's not... <sighs> We didn't get any sleep. We've got to get up in the morning. It's really what this means for them and their future. Mm, that's a good way to put it. You're, you're really child-centered at that point, not me, and I've been inconvenienced and yes. such. But what about, uh, I, mean, I appreciate that example, but what about something as simple as they left their dishes in the sink Ooh, again? That's a good one. They didn't put them in the dishwasher. Didn't What's that off. about? I mean, is, is there room for anger on that, Gary? Boy, that's, is, is this a friend of yours, John? It could be. <laughs> well, for me, it wasn't. It, 
for me, it wasn't dishes in the sink so much as we were so tight financially when the kids were young. And my dad just ingrained in me, if you leave a room, you turn off the lights. And my kids couldn't get it. And I always knew what house I had in when I came home because every light in the house was on. And one time I came home and I just went around and Lisa said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm I'm trying to find the one light that isn't on. I don't want it to feel left out. <laughs> I was trying to make a point with my kids. Did that, it work? No. no. I yeah. mean, they're just like, oh, Dad, what's Whatever. the problem? Yeah. See, I mean, the uh, difficulty is that's about me, not about my child. But, but here's what happened to cure me of that. I came home one night after work, and the house was completely dark. And I thought, what's up with this? Well, they had left in the afternoon. They'd hit some traffic. We lived in the Northern Virginia area that time, and it could be terrible. So I unusually got home before them, and it was so dark. I, I made me miss them so much. I turned on the lights on to greet them from home because it, it, it just made me realize, you know what? The fact that there are dishes in the sink means there's a kid to get the dishes dirty. Mm. The fact that there's a light left on means there was a kid that was in the room to leave the light on. And so I would say to parents, just, just take a little step back and, and be grateful um, that the people are there. And yeah, you can't live with somebody without them occasionally inconveniencing you. Huh. Uh, and I do think we, you know, you need to teach them responsibility with consequences and whatnot. And you guys have done so many shows where, with parenting experts that can, can help them do that and, and face the consequences. But it's just keeping that heart of what really matters most here. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. What is building up your teen girl's belief system? And that's the main thing, actually, that I've gotten from the Brio magazine since I've gotten them, is just how to stay strong in your faith and how to just every day rely on God for everything, even if you're having a wonderfully good day or just an absolute terrible one. Discover how Brio Magazine can capture the heart and faith of your teen girl at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash Brio Radio. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Gary, uh, moving this to a godly perspective, this idea of joy, you know, you want to instill into your kids godly character. Certainly joy is one of them. And, and you had this line in your book, Sacred Parenting, which was so good. Don't be stupidly serious. <laughs> I love that. Stupidly yeah. serious. It, it's a quote from G.K. Chesterton who talked about how Christians can really put off non-Christians when we become what he called stupidly serious. Or your when, kids. Yeah, certainly <laughs> our kids. We, we, we don't embrace the joy of life. And when I look at scriptures, what really impacted me and the attitude I wanted to have with my kids and want to have with my kids today, Paul worked with some of the most frustrating churches imaginable, with some of the worst sins you could imagine. I mean, acts of immorality, um, going off into heresy, financial problems. Sometimes they were taking pride in it, turning one against the other. But listen to some of the things that Paul said to these very troublesome communities. To the Romans, I am full of joy over you. To the Corinthians, I have great confidence in you. I take great pride in you. I'm greatly encouraged in all our troubles. My joy knows no bounds. To the Philippians, 
I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. To the Thessalonians, indeed, you are our glory and joy. To Philemon, your love has given me great joy. The one thing that people knew who were loved by Paul is that he had great joy in loving them. And I think one of the goals for us as parents should be one of the greatest joys in my life is that I get to be your parent. You're not a project to me. I delight in you. You give me great joy. And sometimes it's just settling down. I remember one Easter. We were at a church where the seats filled up very quickly, and particularly on Easter morning, you know, and so they had to have overflow. And I thought, who wants to spend... Easter in an overflow room where you can't, you know, you're looking at a screen. and That's the, called the little kid's I, I, table. Yeah, I mean, it's just, <laughs> I, I didn't want to do that. And so I was trying to get my, my family to understand the emergency of leaving on time this one Sunday. I'd given up all other Sundays. <laughs> one out of 52 Sundays, I wanted to leave on time. And yet, you know, my, my wife and one of our daughters have their own special relationship with time. As long as they intended to leave on time, God will make every light turn green and, and everything will happen. And, we'll, and so I'm all frustrated. I'm in the van. I'm waiting. We've got two of the kids. I'm waiting for my wife and, and little Kelsey at the time. She was just a toddler. And, and they're running and laughing toward the car. And I just realized how beautiful they were. And it was, Gary, this, is, this isn't a time to yell on Easter morning. This is a time to say, thank you, God, for this beautiful family. And it's just taking that step back to not let the joy be squeezed out of an incredible Well, experience. and a reminder where we started this was with those moms of toddlers. I think they can stress out the most. If you're stressing out, get a hold of us. There's lots of resources and tools. We have counselors mm-hmm. to help you. It's a tough season of life when you're stressing about everything. So get a hold of us. Uh, Gary, you talk also about leaving, uh, this idea that uh, control and influence can be out of whack at that point. This is, I guess, nearing the empty nest area where you're, you're starting to feel like maybe I didn't accomplish a job, so you're hanging on even tighter, yeah. maybe trying to control even more. Discuss that for us. What's that like? Well, I haven't been through it yet. You have. John, you've, you're partway there. It's, it's one of the hardest things, and I would just say that one of the most valuable parenting tips I can give to parents whose kids are going to go away to college, you bring along a pair of sunglasses. <laughs> Because when you see that kid that has been living with you for 18 years go away, it rips a part out of you that you can never imagine. Yeah, uh, the, the, you don't want them to see the tears. That would be showing, it, it was so it, it was so hard. With my oldest daughter, she went about 45 minutes away, but it was still painful. She went to a school in Canada. We were right beneath the Canadian border, but it was still you know I'd walk by her room and it was like this black hole. I mean, it was just, it was difficult for me to even go in there. And then I'll never forget dropping my son off uh, at his school. And it had been a furious three days because you're buying all the toiletries. You're, you're buying the, the, you go to a hardware store, you go to the Target. I mean, all the stores that parents, Bed Bath and Beyond, you know, you just, that's where you go when you're dropping your kids off at college. So it's just furious three days of getting the dorm room set up and everything set and you see the campus. And I'll never forget dropping them off at the turnaround. And he gets out of that, and he's lived with me his whole life. And I'm watching him walking in the crowd, and I couldn't leave until I couldn't see him anymore. And he was just enveloped in that sea of bodies. And it was amazing. Uh, Just, I can't believe that time of him living with me every day is over. 
Uh, it's a tough thing to face. It's going to be hard for me to go through, I, and I'm only a couple of years away from that, so it's going to be tough. The, I can feel it coming. The bad news is it doesn't get any easier because then you're together on vacation, and when they leave to go back to school, it feels just <laughs> as painful. But it's a good thing. That shows the relationship is strong. Let's end on reward. Uh, we look in the culture today. Man, I wish I had more kids. I mean, Gene and I just didn't. Um, speak to that 20, 30-something uh, young man and woman. There's been a... You know, some of the the ranch folks here and those helping out on, on the time here at the ranch we've been at, they, they're just starting their family. One young man has a, a son who's five months old. And we sat in the blind and talked about what it means to be a father, what mistakes to try to avoid. I'm going to lay it at your feet. Um, in the next few minutes here, just what do moms and dads need to avoid in order to have you know, the best chance at healthy children who love the Lord and are following him and, and uh, you know, doing well. First, I would say just embrace the gift of children, which for some of the younger listeners is, you know, the first time I'm hearing as a pastor, people saying, actually, I don't know that we want any children. Sometimes they'll say we feel like we're too selfish or self-absorbed. And I say that's probably true, but having children is one of the cures for that. Right. They, were, how they were good with not God helps us go out of that. And then I'll just say very yeah. practically, and I would say this to younger couples that are thinking about that now, is it worth it? I've never heard a parent say, I wish we wouldn't have had this child. I've heard a lot of parents say, I wish we would have had more. Yeah. When they get older, because kids are so much work early on, we think they're so expensive, we can't handle it, and, and do we want more? I, I really haven't seen people regret the decision to receive uh, the gift of those children. The second thing I would remember is that when you look at biblical priorities, there's a very boring chapter of the Bible that changed my life forever, and it's Genesis chapter 5. Genesis is rolling along, action, excitement, all of this going on. God's creating the earth, and you have Adam and Eve, and then you have the fall and all of that. And then you get to chapter 5, and it's just this long genealogy, these long list of names. So-and-so got married, had so many kids, lived so many years, and died. And then so-and-so, and then he had a son, and that son got married and had so many kids and died. We don't know anything about these people. We don't know what jobs they had. We don't know if they were tradesmen or farmers. We don't know if they were athletes or, or business type of people. And basically, what they did get swallowed up in history. And what most of what we live for will be swallowed up in history. Almost everything I do on this earth will be forgotten. But not my kids. That relationship will remain. Cool. And so I think when you make the choice to put that relationship as a priority... Uh, I'll never forget what challenged me as a young husband was when I was on a speaking trip and I was starting to travel a whole lot for my job. And I was picked up by a guy who worked then for IBM, which at the time was one of the most successful companies ever in the history of the U.S. And they had a policy at that time. Once you got a job with IBM, you didn't get laid off. You didn't get fired. Later economic force to change in that. But he worked with a coworker who was in his late 40s, and one day the coworker didn't show up. And they thought, what happened? Well, his wife called later that morning. He'd had a heart attack and died mm. eating breakfast. And what so shocked the man who I was talking with who had picked me up for the speaking engagement was, he said, we gave our life to the company. If they asked us to come in on the weekends, we came in on the weekends, because if you didn't, 
you'd be put in this vocational edda. You would never get a promotion. Uh, we stayed late. We did everything they did. But when he died, they had his replacement within 24 hours. They had him trained, and he was moving on. He goes, it was almost as if he never existed. Mm. I said, in some ways, the company was less inconvenienced by his death than if he had taken a vacation. Because they had somebody waiting in the rings. They just plugged him in. He goes, I thought, I've sacrificed so much for this company, but to them, I'm really just something that could be filled. So I went home from that trip. Our kids were all young. And I walk in the door. I have three arms wrapping themselves around my legs. And daddy's home. And now the whole family's together. And we go for a walk. And I realized if I died, the ministry I worked at the time, they would find a replacement who might do a better job than I was doing. <laughs> Very likely would do a better job than right. I was doing. But my kids would never say it was as if he never existed. I talk to people all the time. They don't forget their dad when the dad was involved. And so at that point on, I said, who do I want to disappoint with my nose? Somebody that can replace me and not really miss me or somebody for whom it will be a huge loss. And so it's that priority saying it, it led to a change in my vocation. I said, this isn't the right job for me right now with kids this age. Uh, it changed the course of my life, and I look back and say it was the right choice. All right, Gary, I'm feeling guilty now. i got to get out with my boys and do some hunting. So, uh, <laughs> You've no. been with your boys all week. <laughs> That's You're doing it, the right man. thing. But it's been great to have your, your book, Sacred Parenting. Uh, what wonderful stories. What a great resource for parents to have. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. John, that was such a great conversation with Gary Thomas. Uh, he has such a wonderful heart and good perspectives on family and life. And we had a lot of fun at that Texas ranch as well. Uh, that's one trip my boys and I will cherish for a very long time. Mm. And if you've enjoyed uh, Gary's insights, I want to encourage you to get a copy of Sacred Parenting, How Raising Children Shapes Our Souls. Uh, we've only covered the highlights of the book, and I know you'll find a lot more encouragement for your family in this wonderful resource. And you may want to get a copy for a friend or a family member. Uh, we can send a copy of Sacred Parenting to you when you make a gift to the ministry here at Focus on the Family of any amount. And that's our way of saying thank you for joining us in helping other families. Yeah, uh, donate monthly if you can, uh, or a one-time gift is deeply appreciated. Either way, uh, call and make your donation. Our number is 800, the letter A and the word family, 800-232-6459, or stop by focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. And when you're online with us, we have a free parenting assessment that takes just a few minutes for you to fill out. Uh, it's going to offer you some great insights about what's working well in your uh, relationship with your kids and maybe uh, one or two items to improve as you interact with your kids. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team here, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ. Mm -hmm.